Morning. Today is July 16th. It is third Sunday. We have some things going on for you to know about. We have a uh, meal after the service today, and we're going to grill hot dogs and have all the things that go with hot dogs. So stick around after the service for that. And then after that, we're going to have our bonus session, and we're going to finish up the book of First John that we started this week um, during the Summer Bible Institute. So that's all happening after the service today. So stick around for that if you can. And uh, then some here's some things to be praying about. Number one is uh, Martha. Martha, are you here? Where'd you go? She's here. There she is back there. Martha had a car accident, and after she was done cleaning the church yesterday, so she's, she's obviously up and around and okay, but uh, her car is not. So did they total it? Well, don't know yet. Don't know yet. Okay. But we're going to be praying for that to work out well, and we're glad you're okay. And um, thank you all for uh, praying for my trip. I did receive my passport Friday, which was a miracle. And uh, so I'm leaving tomorrow to drive down to Dallas, and then I'll be getting on an airplane tomorrow evening from Dallas and flying to Istanbul and then on to Kenya with Little Eye House. And uh, so we're going to be doing uh, two big conferences in Kenya to provide training for teachers and therapists and other uh, people in Kenya on how to work with kids with special needs. And then there's going to be a second team uh, going from Kenya to Rwanda to do something similar on a smaller scale. They won't have the big conferences. Because they don't have the big conferences, they don't need the tech support, so I'll be coming back. And uh, so that's why I don't go to Rwanda. But anyway, I do appreciate all the people who have supported and prayed and um, all the various ways you guys have helped. And uh, so, yay, get to go. So um, I won't be here next week, but uh, tech is in good hands with Davey and Edie. And um, anyway, so be praying for safe travels and for um, the people on my team who are doing the presentations that what they're presenting to the people in Kenya makes a difference in the work that they're doing that those people in Kenya are doing and working with the kids there and makes a difference in the lives of those kids in Kenya. So appreciate that. Any other prayer requests or announcements? Okay, let's pray. Father God, thanks for all the work you're doing in our lives, the prayer requests that are out there this morning that... um, aren't mentioned, the, uh, the things that you're doing that um, we aren't talking about, but we know that you're working in our lives. Thanks for keeping Martha safe in that accident. I just pray for a favorable outcome on her car that uh, either it will get fixed properly or that um, insurance will uh, stand by her and, and, and get her a replacement um, in a good way. Father, um, thanks for 
uh, your miraculous intervention on on the passport so that I can go with the team to Kenya. Thanks for your provision on making everything happen that needed to happen for that. Father, I pray for the service today, for the things that are going to happen here, which we're going to hear from your word. We're going to worship together. We're going to talk about you around the table and fellowship. We're going to we're going to have a meal together. And, uh, Father, all these things, I just pray that you're glorified in them. And uh, that's what we're here for. And I just ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.
about that good old way and who shall wear the starry crown good lord show me the way oh sisters let's go down let's go down come on down oh sisters let's go down down in the river to pray As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down, come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mothers, let's go down. Come on down, don't you wanna go down? Come on, mothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down.
melt into night in circles of light. I've watched a spider spin a star between the window box floors. I've heard you laugh and cry in a single sigh and a story full within. Don't
this may be one of those areas where, where people say, you know, you're just meddling. <laughs> this is about money, the economy, about our economy, and providence. The word economy is actually a, from the Greek, oikos, nominee, it has to do with a, uh, the household. It can be the household of the king, or it can be a personal household, but it's, you know, finances, how you, how you handle that, your, um, how you manage your household, how you save, how you, all, all of those factors are there. So we use it in economy, and we use it for looking at uh, the nation. So we look at how America's doing, and it's in the news every day, and Wall Street's up, down, whatever. Other nations, China's beating us, we're beating them, Russia's in the middle. Economies are all over the place. And then you come to a uh, church service on a Sunday, and somebody's going to talk about it. Because this, you know, gets into people's pockets. This has to do with the stuff we live with every day. You know, the complaints about how high the gas is or the prices at the grocery store going up and, you know, they're not giving me as much money as they used to and taxes are too high. You know, that stuff. So, what do we do with this? How do we walk with God in the world? Peripateo, you saw that word up there. How do we do that? And this is part of walking in the world. How do we do it? Financial planning. We're going to look at how this kind of kind of comes together. First, refocus. This is a verse that is used uh, in all sorts of ways. It'll be on your refrigerator. It'll be on a plaque somewhere, often in somebody's home. There's all kinds of things. This thing will show up. Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Have you heard that one before? And it applies to people who are uh, running track, playing football, uh, people just trying to get along with each other. Just give me strength. And I can do all things. So the impossible things that are out there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A verse is applied. Do you know the context? It's about money. It's Paul saying, this is, this is how I'm getting by. It's about how do you live in this world? Huh. How do you walk with God in the world? What about your money? This is Paul. That's what the verse is really speaking to. So, master money, Matthew 26, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's Jesus speaking about this topic. And the idea is there is a kingdom, God's kingdom, that is greater than all. He is the most high God. He has come into this, uh, Jesus has come into this world to give us a clue about how God sees us and how we can work in this world, how we can live rightly before him, how we can live well in this system, the world in which we live. And he says, this is 
really key. He covers more info on that in Matthew 6. You can check that later. But he's saying this is, this is uh, an issue. Do I go with the money or do I go with God? Which will master me? And the master is either I'm jealous of somebody else who has money. I live to get more money. I love to watch the numbers go up. I love to have more than the other person. There's all kinds of reasons that, that drive. There's a proper place for money. There's also uh, an illicit place for money. This would be one of those where, where Jesus said, hey, it comes under the kingdom. It, it's the kingdom of God surpasses this. So master money. Or does, ma- or does money master you? What, what drives you? Where, do, where does your head go when you start thinking about finances? Does it go to, oh my gosh, I can't believe that everything's so expensive. I, they want to take my money away or how can I get more money or I'm driven by money or I'm fearful because of, probably not because you have too much, <laughs> fearful of government takeovers, all kinds of things, that, that it may be gone. Providence, God over finances, God over finances. I I don't know, that seems, you know, it's, it's nice talking about gentle things and being nice to each other, you know, that's what church is about, just don't get into stuff where you're touching on where I live or where I might make decisions or where I might get nervous. And certainly don't come in after my money. Huh. God over finances. He is the one who created all of the wealth. All the gold and silver is his. He owns everything and can move it from one place to another anytime he chooses. He can move it into our accounts when he desires and he can move it away. He can do all of those things for a nation, for an individual, because he's God. And some, for some reason, we flip that and begin to think that money controls all things. And money is the answer to all things. And then money begins to drive us, and we make decisions based on that. When you send kids off to college, the reason to send them off is so that they can go get some kind of skill, some kind of education, so they can make money. It's really a dumb reason to send kids to college. But when you evaluate the degrees that people really love, it comes back to, so did you get a degree that will pay you something? Can you make money with that? If you can't, It's a waste of time because it's all about money. But when you read through the scriptures, you find out it's actually about knowledge. It's about actually gaining wisdom, about learning something about the world or people or God. You learn how to function, understand the things that are around you. You have to make money. That's another part of this. Because we live in a world in which that's the exchange. And the scriptures are very clear. If you don't work, you don't eat. 
if you're not handling and ordering your finances properly. Uh, God's evaluating that. And so he's watching to see how, how we handle, what our attitudes are, how we handle the money, what the priorities are when we deal with it. And, and if our minds go directly to fear about money or I need to protect my money or I need to gain an upper hand with my money and nowhere in there does the verse for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength come to mind when we're budgeting I hope you feel that because that's a reality God over finances God above it all it's not a choice between money and God God wins so let's take a look context of Philippians chapter 4 money management by faith here's the secret I have learned how to be content with whatever I have let me ask you have you I have learned how to be content with whatever I have I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Now let's pick up the other one, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now you know the context. That's the rest of the story. I'm borrowing that from Paul Harvey. (laughs) I can do everything through, through Christ who gives me strength. He's the one. He's the source. He can guide us. He wants to guide us. He wants to participate in these things and all the things in our lives. And that's what Paul is saying. I I've just learned to be content with with a lot, with little. I just trust him. I'm looking to him. I'm gonna work hard every day. Remember, he he's a tent maker. Besides doing the ministry things that he's doing, the mission work all over the Mediterranean, he is a tent maker. So when he has opportunity, he uses the skills that he learned uh, growing up, and, and so he can use that. He, he has a profession, and he has a skill. It's both. That I would recommend to everybody. Just have a skill, set of skills. You can work wherever, make a living. He does that, and then when the Lord says, that's enough of that, I'm going to send you some money from somewhere else, which is what's happening here with the Philippians that sent him some money, and he's responding to them with this letter. So that happens. You go, okay. So there's, he's also highly trained. He would be so far beyond even a Ph.D. Uh, a doctorate in, in today's terms, in terms of his training, and yet he makes tents. He's got both skills, trade, and uh, an education because he wants, he wants to honor the Lord with whichever way the Lord wants to use him. So that's money man- management by faith. Trust in the Lord. It, he's the one who gives strength. He's the one who supplies. He is the one who's going to help no matter what. But we have to internally decide, I am content 
with whichever direction the Lord takes me in this. If he provides a lot, if it's not, if I'm not working and I'm starving, uh, if we're not working, the Lord says, you need to starve. That's where he says, you shouldn't eat. Don't feed them. Other people, other people in the church, don't feed them. You know how bothered we get with that one? Well, sure, you gotta, you got to feed them. And you go, well, the best thing for them is to love them into doing the right thing. No, the best thing is to feed them so that they can just learn not to ever do that. Uh-uh. No. Because God is over finances. God reigns over our feelings. God is above all. It's his kingdom. And he wants to bring this stuff into our lives the right way. So he's, he's going to do something totally different here. But here's, here's Paul. This, this is the situation. I've been through it all. And it's Christ. I can do everything through Christ. Well, here's Israel's desert. That's not des- desert. Desert education. They are going to provide a pattern for us to see how this flows. So there's, they're in Egypt, and they're in slavery, and they're asking God to get them out of that situation. And so there's, there's cries, there's prayers, there's all of that's going on. And so the Lord sends Moses in a miraculous deliverance, brings them out. They've been there 400 years. He brings them out. They are going to the land of promise. God has said, I've got a place for you. It produces a lot. You're going to love it there. And it's yours. All you have to do is go. Go in. Take it. Take care of it. So they start going. As they leave, they're uh, pursued by the Egyptian army. It's like the most powerful army on earth at the time. And they are a little nervous when their backs are up against the Red Sea. God opens up the Red Sea and lets them walk across on dry land. That's unusual. They are concerned about water in the desert. He provides water. So he's got miracles of protection and provision. They need food. He provides manna. He provides quail when they, there's an issue there. He, he's just taking care of them. They are wearing clothes that they had from the beginning, but they never wear out. So they're they're in this in the on this trip, but they've gone they've gone out of Egypt. They made it across to the southern border of the Promised Land, and at that point, they can go in. They send in some people to check it out. They come back with some reports of well, there's some like giants in the land, and there's some problems. So let's not do it. A couple of guys say no. It's it's. We can take them. Let's just let's go with God and and go do what He told us to do. And so fear, no faith, leads to forty years wandering in the desert. So their fear of going in, their fear of listening to God, their lack of faith leads them to wander around till they die. That group has to die off, and there's some things that happen. Because God keeps taking care of them. They're wandering in the desert. He's still taking care of them. They have manna. You know the story. The manna shows up, and, and they just collect it. And it's something to eat every day. And they have to double up you know, before the Sabbath. But every day they get to collect. There's enough food for every day. 
But we wind up with manna and moaning. Because, you know, we, we wanted it with hot sauce. It doesn't come with hot sauce. And, and we wanted it, you know, some cinnamon. There was no cinnamon. And we just wanted, we want something, we want some meat now. So the Lord sends quail, and then they eat so much quail that they're throwing up. You know, it's not pretty. But the fear, the no faith, 40 years wandering in the desert, manna and moaning. Then there's water and wailing because they go, well, I are stuck in the desert and there's no water. And what are we going to do? And God just has Moses, you know, tap on a rock and here it comes. Lots of water. What are the lessons? That in impossible situations, God comes through. That he's not lost in this and he knows where they are and he knows what they need and the thing that's missing in all of that is faith their faith to trust him to take care of them and he keeps coming through he keeps showing that he's there he's still getting they're still getting fed they still and they still wind up with water and they still wind up their clothes don't wear out i mean they're they're just taken care of all the way through and there are times uh when we've been down that road, we're just whining. We're angry at God because he didn't come through. He didn't give us what we wanted. He didn't give us what we wanted when we wanted it. He gave it to somebody else. They got the promotion. They got, they, they got an increase in whatever. They got a new car. They got a new house. They got a something. And there it is. And he says, am I not God? Do I not know where you are? at any moment and know exactly what you need at any time? And our answer is no. Because you didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. The way I wanted it. And because you failed to do that, I'm afraid of what might happen in the economy, in the world around me, in the way that what things cost or the way things might go or just like those people even Israel they've been delivered they've been brought out of slavery we've been brought out of the darkness of not knowing Christ of not having life we get to enter into a new life with him with light with the love of God accompanying that we get to experience a new life as a result a new way of living, a new perspective on everything. That's peripateo. That's walking with God in the world on everything. What did they need? They needed to trust and obey. They needed to listen to God, to trust him to come through, to be who he was. He'd already said he was going to take care of them. In the first place, he just wanted them to go into the land flowing with milk and honey. He just wanted to provide. And they said, no, that's too scary. So just think over your life when you've had opportunities, you've been right up to the edge and God said, I just need you to step in there and go, that ain't happening. That's too scary. And you walk away and you wonder, why is my life going the way it is? Why, is it, why, are, why, are my, why am I facing some of the things that I'm facing, struggling with the things I'm struggling with, and somewhere along the line, I guarantee you there's something that said, no, I don't want the land flowing with milk and honey. That's too scary. I don't trust you. I think I'll just go my way. The guy says, fine. 
You can wander. I'll take care of you. But it's going to be tough. And you might even die before you ever see the promised land. All of it. Got to trust. Got to obey. Got to move when he says move. Go where he says to go. And listen to him. It's huge. So money management by faith. Again, Philippians. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Wouldn't that have been great for those Israelis wandering in the desert? I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. There's a big change, a new way of approaching uh, finances, approaching a walk in this world. So accounting by God. Uh, a proper handling of finances, uh, money and all its purposes, it's all important to God because he's watching us. He's keeping an eye on us. He's, he's present everywhere, and he also has uh, agents, angels who are keeping track, and they take notes, and they go, ah, look, look at how you responded to that money situation or look at your attitude now and look how nervous you are about that and how you balance your budget. And oh my gosh, the world is now crumbling and it's all at an end and he's just saying, what? But he's taking notes. He said, that person over there needed some help but you wanted to make sure your bank account was sufficiently large so you said no. Takes notes. All of it. He's keeping track proper handling of finances, the money, all its purposes. It's important to God. God will judge the attitude toward money, making money, using money, abusing money, investing money, and whether you invest that money in God's kingdom or yours, giving money, trusting him for money, all of that. Rewards and consequences come in this life. There is a a sowing and reaping that is part of our life, the, the way we live in this world, there are consequences for our decisions with what we do with the finances that we have, the opportunity to make money, the opportunity to give money, and we're sowing, we're using that money for, for different purposes, and we reap particular things as a result of that. So judgment also occurs after we leave this world, and there are we are given information from Jesus, and he says, you can store up your riches. Your wealth can be stored in heaven. And it, it can't be destroyed. It doesn't rust. It, it's safe. You can put your wealth there. People in the physical world prefer to put it in a bank, where they may change that with some of the laws that are being adjusted. But in your mattress or somewhere, you put some money because it's safer here. I hope you look around and realize it isn't, but the wealth that is in heaven is safe and secure. When we have that moment before the Lord himself and we answer for how we lived our lives, money is part of it. How do we explain to him that I was just so nervous that I just had to control this without ever asking his opinion. Just need to control it, because I'm afraid. 
And I'm afraid what might happen. And he's saying, yeah, you, you didn't trust me there, did you? You didn't listen to me when I gave you direction. You controlled it. So what happens in judgment? What happens when we stand before the Lord answering questions about what we do and what we did with our money? We talked about 1 Corinthians 3 gives the example of a huge bonfire and whatever we've done in this life is thrown on that fire. I don't know, but if you've seen some folding money, that stuff will burn. You throw it on the fire and you go, there it is. And he says everything, all the elements. This is in Second Peter 3. All the elements will be destroyed by fire. All of it. You go, but that's what I was investing my life in. Gone. What's left? Well, in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, if we invest in God's kingdom and the things that, that he has told us are valuable, then it's purified. It doesn't burn up. It's better. And we take that into heaven with us. That's another way of looking at money. I just, we're going to do this God's way. I need to understand what his principles are. And I need to be wise. Jesus says, you know, you, you need to be wise as serpents. Look out because sometimes you get, you, you're not looking around at how the world operates. He wants us to be wise in those things. So make wise investments to use talents that we have in uh, making money, saving money, investing money in this world. But under his principles, under his control under the kingdom of God as God is above finances so he's giving us that and he's going to judge us on how we do that God will be pleased with the believer who trusts him makes use of money for right purposes stays generous opens the door to the treasures of heaven and the storage places where your eternal investments are kept when you get in those doors in heaven and he takes you over to that storage place where you're, all that you've placed up there is waiting. He just throws open the door. He also doesn't have locks on them because not needed. Just throws it open, and there it is. And the storehouses of heaven are waiting, and he is excited to point those things out and to make them available to you. You realize you're going to live longer there than you are here. I know you're worried about, I don't know, i got retirement. You know, the end's coming you got to be able to you know, have enough to make it all the way through. What about there? That's longer. That's a good retirement. You invest there. He changes our thinking, a different way of doing this. So I, I want to, let's look at the basis of financial practices in this world. How do we come up with this? Now, and, and you'll hear this. Uh, more often now, I think, than in days gone by. And you know, in school, and this is usually K through 12, we need to teach those kids how to, you know, balance a budget, write out a check, think about some just basic, you know, how to pay household bills, that kind of stuff. And you go, yeah, that'd be, that'd be some good stuff. Where do we get what we think and feel about finances? Well, somebody, it could be in school. It's usually family. That's where we grew up. Those are the people we're looking around. How panicked are they at the dinner table when the money's short 
and you hear those stories or if the parents are hiding from you and they talk about those things in the dark and you don't hear about it, then you think everything's fine always. La, la, la. They go, that ain't true either. Family. Learn it from family. Learn it from friends and the people that you're around. And, and how did that guy save up enough to get a bike? Oh, he was mowing yards. Well, that sucks. It's hot outside. I don't want that to do that. So, but we pick up things from family. We pick them up from friends. As we get older, we go, well, that guy, he invested in IBM back in 69. And look, he's worth a billion dollars. And so, you know, I should invest in those kind of things. And you just start coming up with, well, what my friends told me. And culture, what does the culture give us? What happens here is way different than what happens in Nigeria and Honduras. The culture makes a difference on how you look at money. And, and, and We're in America. This is, this is the richest land on earth. I don't feel like it. Well, just go live with those guys a couple of weeks. You'll feel it. That's the, it's a different culture. They think of money differently, and we approach it different. Culture makes a difference in how we do finances, how we handle finances. So that's where we're getting. So we've got family and friends and culture. We've got school. Hopefully some of that is actually practical and helpful. It's also passion. What is it that motivates us? Because some people say, well, I don't care nothing about money. That's dumb because you will starve. The other people are, I'm all about money. Because I got to make sure my accounts look right. I got the right numbers. Everything has to has to line up just so. And I got to get more and more and more of it because the really wealthy people are still out there trying to get more and more and more. So there's a passion, and it can be in all kinds of directions. But it's driving every individual, whatever passion they have regarding finances. Those are factors that are all around us all the time and they influence how we get here. What's missing? Finances under God. Finances under God. Jesus covered it a lot. He covers finances, he covers the motivation, he covers how you get there and the attitude we should have toward it. Scriptures are filled with that. You read through the book of Proverbs and you get all kinds of ideas on how this works. Finances under God. Not in part, but the whole. I'm borrowing that line from a hymn. Not in part, but the whole. So how much of our finances belong to God? Well, I'll be just gracious and give him 10%. No, all of it. Down to the last penny. All of it, not in part, but the whole, because he's making it possible. He wasn't out there working. I put in the 80 hours this week. You had breath. You had a way to get there. If your limbs are still moving, that's pretty impressive. Talk to somebody who can't. There's a uh, grace of God that makes it possible for us to go out there and do that, which we ought to be doing because it's part of how he's designed us but he's providing, providing us ways to make money. And then he expects us to put that all under him, all under his kingdom. Not in part, but the whole. 
finances committed to Christ, that there's a reality of a kingdom that we recognize that exists and that God is doing something in this world to, to better it, to better us, to build the fruit, the, the fruit that we can have in our own lives in a relationship with other people. Our finances committed to Christ, and that, that's going to change things. We're, gonna, we're going to approach what we do with our money differently, and we're going to look to him for things as well. Trusting God, not government, that should be easy, but it isn't. We wind up going, well, you know, the government, and if we get the right guy, and they make this decision, and these... The government, the percentages, the uh, what's going to happen with my bank, my savings account, what's going to, it's all up to the government. You know, these governments come and go. They have for centuries, since the beginning. There's one government that does not go. And you have to choose which one you want to listen to. Which one you think will come through for you. And I'm going to suggest it's not this one. It's good. Keep praying for it. Let's use it. There's another. Trusting God, not government. Obeying. This is finances under God. Obeying and earning. Getting out there and making some money. Investing. Saving. And giving. But obeying God. Understanding the principles Working hard, put the money away, yep, absolutely. Recognizing that he has something in mind for us. That he can make that money double, triple. He can take care of all of that. And we trust him to do that. And if we're involved in, in making, investing, giving, saving, all of those things the way that he's designed, he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. There are uh, those individuals who have decided to put that to the test. Hudson Taylor did it in China, the 1800s. And he said, I'm just going to trust God to take care of the finances. And he goes as a missionary. He's from England. He takes off, and God brings in the finances. At that point, there was no Suez Canal. People had to take a boat all the way around Africa go up the other side to get to China, and then drop off some money for this guy. That's going to work. He's praying for the money to come in, and people are supporting him over in Europe. They put it on a boat, and it would come around, and he would pray, and you can read his book, Spiritual Secrets, and you get these stories where the money shows up. He's prayed, and it shows up like the next day. And you go, how's that even possible? That means that all of those things were happening back there months ago because it took months to take a boat. Months. People had to make the money, give the money, put it on the boat, sail it around, and show up. Because God knows. He knows how to move the people. What about the people who heard the story and said, Hudson Taylor or George Mueller, another one, that this money that the the need is going to be over here and you want to give money and people go no now they may have the resources wouldn't hurt them at all they could participate but they choose not 
to participate in the thing that God has just spoken to them about. And then things go uh, sideways. Yeah, well, we're supposed to be um, investing in these things. Jesus sitting in the temple, and he's watching this, this widow who has nothing. And she walks past the treasury. There's a little bucket. She throws in the last of her money, her tiny little bit. And he says, see that? She gave more than everybody else. Nobody comes close to giving what she gave because she gave it all. But wait a minute. She's a widow. You're not supposed to do that to widows. What kind of reward do you think that woman has? And I bet the only way your name's going to be in the Bible is if you write it in there because this lady gets mentioned. Her story gets mentioned because Jesus said that's a standout. Her heart is right. She gave resources because God touched her right then. And he does that in in amazing ways. And often, like George Mueller's prayers, he, he was taking care of orphans in England. And he's a German guy who moves to England. Hudson Taylor is an English guy, moves to China. But they're trusting, both of them are trusting God to provide in the 1800s. So we're going to look to him. They read the scriptures and go, you know, Let's just see if he will actually do this. We think he, that he actually would follow through on this. Let's do it. So Mueller starts getting these orphans off the streets, building orphanages, feeding them, and, he, and he's got thousands of them. But as they're gathering together, they're sitting down to a meal. They don't have any food. There's nothing there. They're just sitting at the table. And he gives thanks to the Lord like normal. A wagon breaks down out in front of the orphanage and a guy comes up to the door knocks and he says well you know i've got this load of uh, baked goods in here and i can't get them to where they need to be and they'll just go bad so can you guys use them all the kids ate and there's story after story mueller had enough funds coming in that he's one of the people who gave the money to hudson taylor in china i think two and a half million dollars over time to support that mission. You go, but, you know, I'm afraid to go into the land of milk and honey because I'm afraid it's not like there are giants in the land. You don't understand how finances work. No, I'm not very good at that. I do understand how God works. That I get. And he's trustworthy. And he's solid. And he doesn't fail. And he has a direction for everyone. And even in the money, he's using that to work on our attitudes. If we're holding on too tight, and he has to pry our cold hands open to get us to do something that we ought to do, or if we're holding it loosely and saying, God, it's yours. Do as you please. And then we bless people. We're blessed. God's honored. The kingdom moves on. And all those things happen because there's money involved. There's providence. God is involved in this. It requires living by faith. It requires living by faith. That's a whole different way of approaching things. Like, I'm going to listen to God. We have spent a great deal of time over the last few years talking about how to hear from God. It is so crucial. Just think about this in money. 
Should you invest in this or that? Well, I'm going to listen to my friends. I'm going to check with my family. I'm going to go to a school. Remember all those cultural, worldly things that we typically do. Not a bad thing, just be sure to bring it back to God's above finances. What would he have me do? Does he want me to take the last of everything I've got and drop it into the treasury at the temple? Or does he want me to invest this in a crop that will produce uh, so that the harvest is great and then I can hire all these guys. This is Jesus' parable again. Hire all these guys and he's trying to get a number of them together. Starts in the morning. I'll pay you this much. Okay, another group at noon. Pay you this much. Another group towards the end of the day. I'll pay you this much. They all get paid the same because he's generous. And Jesus is saying he can do whatever he wants to with his money. He decided to pay all of those guys regardless of what time they started the same. It was a good wage to work all day. Amazing wage if you only work the last hour. But he's making it available and he said, it's your choice. You get to choose. That's how God does it. He says he can do whatever he chooses to do if he wants to be generous with this. And he does. He wants to be generous. But somehow, we think about that. Well, I don't even want to pay the guy the full wage. I want him to work for half price. Unless it's us working. Then we'd like some over, you know, double would be good. We just approach money from these uh, worldly attitudes that we have gained from our experiences in the world around us, not with God above finances, where he wants to be. And if he can get hold of that, get a hold of us, get a hold of our hearts on this, man, the land flowing with milk and honey is ours. We can walk into so much more because he wants to make it available. He is very generous. And he does stuff in response to those who trust him, those who have faith, and obey. He is remarkable. So living by faith... And this whole financial realm gives us uh, an upper hand that changes our perspective, our attitudes, our lives. And we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for providing what you have, the finances that we have. You blessed us. We have homes and jobs and clothing and food, and you've, you've just been kind and gracious and we appreciate it lord i pray that we would seek you out in our financial decisions and our our attitude towards money in this world lord that we would know your plan for us help us to learn to hear your voice to learn to hear your voice better and to be accurate in 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 responding to you um, so that we can Indeed, enter the land flowing with milk and honey. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
from Titus. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things he, we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Amen.